The Heat continued their abysmal stretch, struggling in every facet of the game versus the Orlando Magic on their way to a blowout loss. They look small, slow, and discombobulated, and there's no easy answer to what went wrong, but we'll break down the game, the decision to send Kyle Lowry to the bench, and answer your questions on possible trades. All that and more on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor at allyoucaneat.com. Joining me as always is longtime NBA reporter David Ramil. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The Heat might need to use LinkedIn uh, jobs to find some point guard help here, David. Maybe just some offensive help in general. Recording this Sunday night after the Heat lost to the Magic, 105 to 87 in Orlando. Miami has now lost three straight. Uh, they have failed to crack 100 points in four of their last six games. The offense is just struggling. We'll get to Kyle Lowry's move to the bench and what it means for his future and what it means for the Heat ahead of the trade deadline in a minute. But we'll start with this game. David, what went wrong? Everything, Wes. Everything went wrong. I don't think there's, a, again, an easy answer to this. They look small. You pointed that out as we were watching the game. And they just, obviously, the Orlando Magic, a good defensive team. Welcome back, Franz Wagner, who was not in the lineup when Miami faced the same Magic team a couple of weeks ago. And he made an incredible difference just by virtue of his size. He was able to pull down rebounds of everybody, get to his easy spots, made Bam at a bio look tiny in comparison when he was guarding him on defense. And it, it was just player after player getting easy opportunities. They were able to get to the paint with ease. They outscored Miami by 18 points uh, in the painted area, but Miami just couldn't shoot. Uh, Tyler Hero struggled with his shot, but he couldn't get any easy looks either. Jalen Suggs did a really good job of defending him, but I think the Magic team in general did a pretty good job of limiting open looks for Miami shooters. They struggled from the field. They struggled on defense. They struggled on offense. They struggled with size. They struggled with speed. Again, almost every aspect of this game was a horrendous one for Miami, and I don't think that there's any one thing that you can point to as the reason why. So we can mm -hmm. target each one. And look at why they struggled so badly tonight. But I think there's just a lot going on with this team. And again, yeah. I don't think there's an easy answer for it. They stunk at this game. Orlando has one of the best five defenses in the NBA for a reason. They're enormous. They make everything difficult for every team. Miami has one of the bottom 10 offenses in the league for a reason. They make everything for themselves very difficult. Nothing for them comes easy on that end. So you put those two things together. And this night should not be surprising even a little bit, right? The Orlando Magic, this is not... This is not your dad's Orlando Magic team anymore, right? This is a good team. This team is going to make the playoffs. This is not a team where Miami has their number like they have uh, in the past. You mentioned the points in the paint. Orlando had 54. Miami had 36. They got crushed in the paint. I look at one thing in this game, and we can even zoom out on this point if we want. The Heat went 11 for 20 at the rim. I'm not talking about in the paint. I'm not talking about like on two-pointers. I'm talking about point-blank shots at the basket. 11 for 20. Some of those were unforced misses. But a lot of it was forced misses because Orlando is so big. But even if you, the unforced misses are the ones that I have a problem with. 11 for 20 at the rim. That's just a, that's a smidge better than 50%. That's awful. That's a terrible rate. 
uh, compared to Orlando, they went 21 of 27 at the ba- at the rim. That it's untenable. What's going on with this Miami Heat team from three point range? We can do this if we want to do it. The, we, some people pointed about to the to, to the lack of three point shooting uh, after that loss against Toronto. Miami 12 of 37 overall from three point range, 32 percent. But to me, look, the three point shot is going to come and go. That's just the nature of the NBA. For most of the season, that three point shot has been there for Miami. I think they're closer to the 38, 39 percent from distance that they've been to most of the season versus the 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 32s to 35s and they've been during this tough stretch. I think the three-point shooting will come back. But the rim thing has been non-existent all season for Miami. They get absolutely no rim pressure. They do not get to the basket. They are over-reliant on mid-range shots and floaters and post-ups and all that funky Jimmy Butler, Jaime Hawkes, who wasn't involved in this game, Bam Adebayo, like when they want to get to their sweet spots, but their sweet spots are all mid-range shots. And so it's just, this to me is the revealing of what my this, and what I'm talking about now is these last few games. Again, four sure. of their last six games, Miami has failed to crack 100 points. It is the it is the revealing of what this Heat offense really is. There's no more smoke and mirrors. There's no more just kind of getting lucky. Defenses right. are keying in on them. We've seen a lot more early doubles on Jimmy, early doubles on Bam in the shot clock, which is kind of throwing off the rhythm of their offense. Tyler Hero has done his best in terms of trying to make some shots. Duncan Robinson has done his best in terms of making shots, but at the end of the day, you just need your your athletic, strong superstars to get to the basket, and that's not happening right now for Miami, and it's grinded the gears of their offense to a halt. I'm very concerned about Miami's offense right now. Yeah, I, with good point. I, I think it's a, a good reason for you to be concerned. They, they are struggling, and I don't know – Again, I, I look at this game, and I don't see anything specific that Miami could do better or has done differently. Uh, you pointed this out right before we started recording. You think it might be as a result of other teams figuring out the heat and sending that double early. And I'm trying to look even a bigger picture and trying to wonder what's happened over the last couple of weeks. And I don't want to look at any one player, because I know we did this when, well, maybe not us necessarily, but fans did this when you were waiting for Caleb Martin or for Jimmy or for Tyler or whoever was injured over the last month or so of the heat season to come back and say, once this team is healthy, then we'll see this team fully unlocked. And I don't, I don't know what's changed over the last couple of weeks. The loss of Jaime Hawkins, I think is a lot bigger and that it should be, but I also think it's uh, having an impact because there are no fast break opportunities. There's no large athletic wing player who can get to the rim with relative ease. You can't dump it down to a posting up Jaime and watch him go to work with his good footwork and 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 see him, you know, score over bigger or smaller players because of that combination of speed and size. No fast break opportunities, no three point outlet that he provides, and I think the return of Jimmy Butler has muddled things to a certain degree on offense. And I'm not blaming Jimmy necessarily because we know what Jimmy Butler can do when he's fully engaged and at his very best. But we have not seen that from him no. of late. And I think despite the fact that he shot well from three-point range, those were mostly desperation shots as, as the shot clock was winding down. It's like, oh, I've still got And he the was ball. left open. And yeah. he was left open. And I haven't, I haven't been able to create anything offensively. I've got the yeah. ball open from three-point range. Might as well let it fly and see what happens. And he did go three of five to his credit. But that's not good offense. And no. I think things have changed a little bit with the loss of Jaime and the return of Jimmy. It's changed the pace and the way in which this team attacks and they're settling for those mm-hmm. easily contestable mid-range shots. And when those aren't falling and their three-point shot isn't falling with much regularity either, they're not going to generate points. 
If you're not getting to the rim and you're not making the mid-range shots and you're not making the three-pointers at uh, an elite clip, like a league-high rate, then you're not doing anything. You're literally not scoring on offense, and that's what's happened with this team. They are not scoring on offense. I want to stick on the Jimmy Butler point there. He came back from the foot injury and erupted for 31 points in Brooklyn, and we're like, oh, my God, Jimmy Butler, I can't believe he even missed any time. He looks amazing. It was one of the best games he's had all season, points per game, game score, all that kind of stuff. It was one of his best games of the season, but since then, 16 points against Toronto, 25 points against against Atlanta. He had, uh, what was it tonight did he finish with? Uh, 15 points tonight against the Magic. Like, that shine came off real quick. He kind of exploded back onto the scene, and then he's kind of settled in. And he took 10 shots tonight. He took 10 shots against Atlanta, 11 against Toronto, and only 12 against Brooklyn. The difference against Brooklyn is he got to the line 16 times. And like some, and that throws off his free his field goal attempt numbers, right? It's because how, how much he gets to the to the free throw line, and those don't go into the field goal attempt numbers, even though he's getting a shot up, but just getting fouled and going to the free throw line. But just five free throws against Toronto, ten against Atlanta, and then uh, in this one, two. two. And so now he's not even getting to the line as much. Miami has a problem with Jimmy Butler. And it's not nobody's doubting what he does in the postseason and what he's capable of doing and what and how he can carry this team. Jimmy Butler is a postseason superstar. He is not a regular season superstar. And what the Heat are missing is a regular season superstar. They don't have it. They do not have a superstar in the regular season. And every team in the East that is a playoff team has a superstar. Paolo Bancaro is a better regular season player than Jimmy Butler. And that's not even like, I'm not even saying that as a hot take. I don't think that's it's even debatable yeah. at this point, right? right? Like, I agree. Franz Wagner is arguably a better regular season player than Jimmy Butler. And that's sort of what Miami is dealing with is we have this postseason guy, but we are absent of a regular season superstar. And we're trying to overcompensate for that stuff. And we're trying to figure out ways to be that like Jimmy Butler can be a regular season superstar once every week and a half. But that's about it. That's all. Or at least that's all he's willing to give him right now. Right now. And I don't know how Miami figures that out because he's your best player. And sometimes you just need your best player to be your best player. And if it's not him and if it's not Bam, then I don't really know who it's going to be on this team anymore because. Guys like Tyler Hero and and Caleb Martin and Duncan Robinson and Jaime Hawkes can only do so much. They can right. only do so much. None of them are top 20 players, and you need your top guys to be your top guys. But uh, we'll get into more, more of this. We'll continue zooming out. We'll talk about the new starting lineup and whether or not we think that that is going to be the case going forward. Plus, are Kyle Lowry's days in Miami numbered? We're going to talk about all of that next here on Locked on Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. It's the start of the new year, and every small business owner is asking themselves the same questions. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? Well, LinkedIn job Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. I've been there before. I've had to hire people for companies when I was working in PR. And believe me, it can be a very difficult process. You're not sure if you're getting the right skills, you're getting the right fit. You want to streamline that process as much as possible. Well, that's why LinkedIn does such a great job. They're just not another job board. They've got vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you've got that many hiring quality candidates. Excuse me. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate Within 24 hours, you can get this done in a day. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, 
process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube in your favorite podcast app. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Kyle Lowry came off the bench for the second straight game in this one. It's starting to feel like that situation is becoming untenable. We'll talk about that in a second mm-hmm. here. Uh, but Miami going with the, for the second straight game. A starting lineup of Tyler Hero, Caleb Martin, Jimmy Butler, Nikola Jovic, and Bam Adebayo. Before we get to the Lowry part of that, I understand the idea of Nikola Jovic, but he's also sort of quietly turned into a frog over these last couple of games. He's not giving him the transition stuff that he was. Uh, It seems like he's hitting a little bit of like that second-year wall almost, like a rookie wall at this point at 20 years old. I don't know what it is, but he's just... Uh, defensively, like he's doing the right things. I see it on the court. I'm trying, he's trying to stay vertical. You could see him sort of thinking through defensively. And I mean that in a good way. Like he knows what he's supposed to be doing. He knows the spots. He's definitely improving, but the jumper is very hit or miss. I think surprisingly. So like that catch and shoot shot, he's streaky as a shooter. I think we kind of expected that to be a little bit better. He had an air ball in this one. Um, They're trying to get him involved, but if they're not getting him involved, he's got a nose for the basketball in general, but it just doesn't, it hasn't really been there. You know, the last couple of games, I don't know how much of a worry I have about that because I do think he's sort of a ball hockey-ish kind of player. Like he gets, he finds a way to get the ball. But again, like yeah. if he's not doing those things, he's not really providing much of anything. Still a good passer. A couple of nice entry passes into cutting players or Jimmy when he was trying to post up. So I, overall, I think there's still some potential there. As far as the running game, though, sure. like nobody's keeping pace and nobody's bothering to ignite that fast break that we saw. And again, maybe that's the loss of Hyman. Maybe that's the return of Caleb and Jimmy. A lot of different factors there. Nobody willing to push the pace, really. And so there was one play where he pulled down the rebound, and we saw this when he was playing his best, maybe two, two and a half, three weeks ago. He would just take the ball, go right into overdrive and ignite the fast break. This time he got the rebound, held it for a second or two, then just dished it calmly to Jimmy to watch him walk the ball up. It's like, well, what the hell is that for? Like, what's the this point? Is sort of you what you're here? talking about before is how Jimmy's inclusion kind of slows the pace down for everybody else because everybody's going to play like the best player, right? They're going to go as the leader goes, and Jimmy goes slowly. And and I, I'm, I'm with you on it. Look, Jimmy Butler is not the issue with this team, but I do think the issue is when Jimmy Butler is dictating the pace but not yes. leading the he's, – he's dictating the pace but not pacing the game and scoring. And right. that's the problem. And that works in the playoffs when games slow down and defenses intensify and you get and when foul he shoots. calls. Yes, and he's willing to shoot and <laughs> ignite things, et cetera. And he is the, the offensive engine that can drive right. your team. During the regular season, it's more kind of like a sputtering, running out of gas sort of engine. And it takes yeah. its time. It's like, let me just get to the gas station, even though we're running on empty here. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, you know, but yeah. I, I'm not really a lot looking of to just, push it to next year. And a lot of side-to-side passing with no real – intent you know and i, I use that word because i know eric spolster is probably going to say it we're not listening to the post-game press conference before we recorded this but you could he's going to be asked about the offense and he's going to say we need to do something we do need we need to yes, do more intentionally more intent we got to be more intentional all these things and i've always wanted he's been using that word for a couple of years now and i've always kind of wondered like what he really means by it and i think he does mean yeah. uh 
just get to the basket, move north yeah, south. Hard cuts, hard exactly, cuts, yeah, hard yeah. screens, and they've also sort of they've sort of keyed on the referees have sort of keyed in on uh, Bam Adebayo's moving screens the oh, last yeah. week, and that's been a problem for him. Um, but look, I offensively it's a problem. Miami tried to fix it. Uh, by moving Kyle Lowry to the bench because he's a non-factor offensively and he's still a sort of a non-factor even coming off the bench these last couple of games. I mentioned that that situation is starting to feel a little untenable. Um, and I only, and I don't say that, look, I, I think you and I generally like what Kyle Lowry brings, but I'm also of the same mind that you don't necessarily need what he brings in that starting lineup. And I think it was the right move to take him out of that starting lineup. I like the idea of Tyler, Caleb, Jimmy and Bam in that starting lineup. I'm still, I'm still like on the fence about Nikola Jovic, and I don't think that that's where you go in a playoff setting. But I, I, I'm fine in the middle of January, experimenting with it and seeing what you got there. I'm okay with, I'm okay with it for now. But I do think I that just, they need to figure out what the answer is going to be going forward with that. But still, I think they'll bring Haywood Highsmith into the starting lineup. I think. That's do you think that's going to fix things? I mean, offensively, I he made a couple threes tonight, I, but that's the problem. I don't, but I mean, Nico's defensive issues magnify things. And when things are struggling so bad offensively, at the very least, you can lean on the defensive issue. And with, I, I you know, with that's fair. Nico's defense being what it is, it's a problem. If you're not going to get his best offensive version of him out on the floor because of the current pace, because of Jimmy's return, whatever, then you might as well lean defensively. And I think that's partly why that lineup works so well during that seven-game win streak earlier this season. So I, I think that's probably the next change that we'll see. As and for you know Kyle... crazy about that with Nico, before we move off of him, yeah. is if he's out of that starting lineup, he might go back to not playing because Jaime's oh, yeah. got to come back and take somebody's minutes. And so if he moves yep. out of the starting lineup, I don't know where you put him, right? Yep. And so yep. I'd be okay. Like, I, I'm here for the... Because like, I, I've made this point before. Like, we could change the rotations all the time. You can move Kyle Lowry out to the bench. You can keep him as a starter, all these things. But like I've made the joke, well, Kevin Durant's not on the bench, so we could talk about all these different lineup and rotation changes that you want, but it's still the same players that you got at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Um, I do wonder, like, even if you just put Highwood Highsmith in that starting lineup, or whatever you do the starting lineup, you're never going to be elite offensively. Like this team's just not going to be elite offensively the way that it's currently constructed, unless they make some sort of trade before the deadline. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But if you can't be elite offensively, maybe you ought to just try to be elite defensively because they're not they're top 10 defensively but that's not elite that's that's very good but this team's only had one year in the jimmy butler era where they've been top five in defensive rating where they finished the year top five in defensive rating and i think they have the personnel to do that if they wanted to but then again in today's nba does that really matter because you need to hit some sort of threshold if the goal is a championship and for the Orlando magic we're winning games and it's a good story for them their goal isn't like realistically to win a championship this year and they probably know that Miami's is it's sort of championship or bust for the heat at this stage of, of the, of this version of the team. They need to hit some sort of watermark offensively. And I don't know how they do it. I'd make a double switch too. Now that I'm even thinking about it, maybe go Duncan and Haywood alongside Tyler, Jimmy and bam. And I think that could provide that spark out. that you might be looking. Yeah. I think Caleb out. I'm very much here for starting Duncan and Tyler just to create some spacing and what Duncan does off the ball. And the fact that these teams are doubling Jimmy and bam. So early in the clock, like if you have Duncan one pass away, that makes it a lot harder. When they when they made their run at the end of that Hawks game on Friday night, that was the lineup. Yeah. It was well, no, no, the lineup was uh Tyler, Duncan, uh, Jimmy, Caleb, and Bam. So whether it's Caleb or right. Haywood in that spot, I'm I'm fine with either version of that. But maybe that's maybe you do lean that way defensively. I think there's concerns, but they're not they don't hide Tyler Hero defensively anymore. 
right? They hide right. Nico, but they're just letting Tyler go out there and, and play defense. Hey, guard your man, do your best. And and he's done yeah. it. I thought he was Miami's second best defender, maybe third best defender tonight behind Haywood and Bam. I really did. I thought he was a better defender than Jimmy Butler in this game. So, yes, um, which is not good, right? Like it's a compliment to Tyler Hero, but it's also a problem if you're thinking uh, about where you're going with the Miami Heat. But um, look, we, I don't know. I, I guess we're kind of, we could talk about different starting lineups, but I, in general, I do think that Kyle Lowry, I think his days of being a starter are over. Do we agree on that? I think so. Uh, I, I'd go so far as to say his days with the team are probably pretty numbered too. So I, I, I think yeah. this is the beginning of the end. Although we've said this before, I, I've never bought into that. I remember when he was hurt last year and a lot of people said, oh, that's a fake injury. He's being benched and it's just a matter of just making sure that they clear uh, the space already because they're preparing to trade him. I, I do think it's things have just kind of run their course. And I know that you have something to say about the benching as well as to why the yeah. reason for it's taking place. I don't know that it's necessarily the entire reason for his benching, but I think it's still a valid point to make. Well, I'll do it now before we go to break. But yeah, I mean, this this has, I think it's been reported elsewhere. I don't, I think it has, but if not, whatever. Uh, no, Kyle Lowry missed the plane back from, the team plane back from Toronto. And that was an issue internally. Uh, I don't know that it led to his benching. Eric Spolster was asked point blank about it after the Hawks game, the first game that Tyler, that, that Kyle Lowry came off the bench for. And he yeah. said it wasn't an administrative issue, but I, th- I think it had something to do with it. And I think Eric Spolster was looking for a reason to make the change. And it was a good enough reason. And look, the thing about Kyle Lowry, and I've said this even back to last year, he's never bowed at the altar to heat culture. I don't know that he's ever fully bought in to like the whole heat culture thing. And that's okay. I don't think they ever really needed him to either. PJ Tucker, by the way, didn't really buy into it either. He was like, I'm my own culture. I got PJ Tucker culture and that's all the culture I need. He, and he had a great one year for Miami and then he left and, and got worked, paid yeah. for him. Right. So yeah. I don't think you necessarily need to buy in. And I'm, but so I'm just saying like, I don't think that Kyle Lowry and Eric Spolstra have ever really looked at the same things in the same way. For whatever reason, there's been a little bit of a disconnect. Mostly they've been able to work through it because Kyle Lowry has been helpful and productive, but he hasn't been helpful and productive for most of the season, especially this last month, basically, month and a half. And so I think point uh, the, it just got to the point where Kyle, where Eric Spolster was looking for a reason to make a change, and and that was a good enough reason as any. Hey, you missed the plane. You weren't around uh, for the game plan. I think he was planning to move Kyle to the bench ahead of that Hawks game because he wanted to move Caleb into that starting lineup so that they had somebody to guard Trey Young one-on-one, but then Trey Young was a late scratch before the Hawks game, so he didn't even play. But by then, it was too late to make your own last-minute change and move Lowry back into that starting lineup. After Friday's game, Kyle Lowry was asked about it. He said, I hope this is just a one-game thing and that I'll be back in the starting unit for the game in Orlando. And obviously, that did not happen. So I think that this has basically gotten to a point where Eric Spolster said, you're coming off the bench if you're playing for us at all. And I don't, again, I don't think they're they're like arguing. I don't think it's like, uh, no, it's not a bitterness, right? But it's also a point where, Hey, this guy's 37 years old. He's not as helpful as he was when we first traded for him. He's an expiring contract. And so I think the heat, my educated guess, I think Kyle Lowry will be traded by February 8th. I think they're going to find a way to trade him again, not reporting. It's an educated guess based on the reporting that I do have. And and the things that we've talked about with Jake Fisher last week and all these things, they are looking to trade him. They are shopping him. It doesn't mean something's going to get done. They don't know if something's going to get done. Nobody does. Right. But I think they're actively looking for it, and I think they'll find something so that they can get something back for the expiring contract. But I think it's it's the expiring. It's the fact that he's 37. It's the fact that they need to figure out something to do with the salary cap yeah. spot. All these reasons that we talked, those are bigger factors into why they are going to trade him more than just like his attitude. I don't think they really care about the attitude as much as these other like 
Excel spreadsheet, very real things that they have to deal with. So we'll talk about what a trade could look like and, and what's next for Kyle Lowry here in a minute. We'll talk about that next year on Lockdown Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp, look, it's right trespassing years. Everybody wants to make resolutions right, changing themselves instead of just kind of building on what you're already doing right. But maybe you've finally organized one part of your life and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat a good, healthy breakfast too. Well, therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. It's all about getting that balance and finding ways to to build on better habits, kind of like this team, right? You want to continue throughout the season, build on better habits. Unfortunately, we're not seeing evidence of that over the course of the season. Maybe they could try some therapy. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, well, then you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If you want to find somebody different, you want a different voice, or maybe your schedules don't align necessarily, you try somebody different, you can do so. No charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. and Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownBA today, and you can get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockdownNBA. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are heating up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets. And the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, and you can make a parlay. And the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and there's so much more, but only if you use the app. Go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube in your favorite podcast app. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions using the hashtag AskLOHeat on Twitter. You can email us, LockedOnHeat at gmail.com, Instagram, LockedOnHeat. The trained eye writes in, what would it actually take for the front office to make a trade? And we got a bunch of different questions about trading Kyle Lowry and all these things. And what we were just talking about before, David, is I do think that the Heat are going to actively look to trade Kyle Lowry for something. And I don't know if it's Terry Rozier. I think they're exploring all their options. If Look, if it was going to be Terry Rozier, it would have been Terry Rozier already. I think there's a couple maybe. other things at play here that maybe some other options. Um, one option here that's sort of been building steam in terms of what insiders are reporting is the Washington Wizards option. You send Lowry's contract to the Wizards, get a Tyus Jones and maybe like a, another player back, like a Landry Shamit or a Daniel Gafford or con, or a, a um, DeLon Wright kind of contract back to kind of match those salaries. Yeah, maybe I don't know, but um, and I don't know that any of it fixes Miami's biggest problems offensively, but it does kind of separate you. It divorces you from the whole Kyle Lowry situation. That's just starting to get a little awkward. Yeah, I, I also I just want to say this, you know, because we're talking about Lowry and Lowry has been a scapegoat for Heat fans for years now, like ever since he signed a contract with a team. I, it's just never worked out. I, I don't know exactly why that's the case. Maybe because he's an older player, maybe because he's commanding a high salary. And I'll remind everybody, as I have a lot of times, you know, he was the coveted free agent of that class when he signed with the Miami Heat. And he was seen at that time for all the grumbling that some Heat fans make about 
oh, they never make trades. They never make signings. They, you know, they don't do anything to change a roster. They viewed Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker's addition, which both came in the same year, as filling in the gaps to continue to compete the year after the Bucs had won the championship because they saw something in that bubble run the year before, and they saw something fall flat with their point of attack defense, particularly and their ability to create from the point guard spot because Goran Dragic was a much older player in 2021. And they said, you know what? Mm -hmm. We've got to upgrade this roster. And they signed Kyle. They Swords and Shields, right? That's what Pat Riley called them. Swords and Shields. Yes. That's right. It just hasn't worked out that way. And I will say also well, listen, with Kyle. I, I, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I, you know, with, with Kyle, I just think I get the sense from him, despite everything that he said, that he doesn't really have feel like he has anything left to prove. And I know he came mm -hmm. here from day one saying, I want to win. I came here to win. But wanting to win and your body being able to contribute to winning right. are two very different yeah. things. And I think that's yeah. unfortunately where Kyle is right now. He's in a hard place that happens to every player as father time goes undefeated yes. and continues to catch up. He's 37 he not... years old. He's 37 years old. And I can tell you this. I don't think that he ever expected him to be awesome at 37 years old. They took him on knowing that maybe for the first couple of years of that contract, he would be helpful. And that last year of the contract, he would be expiring and tradable. And guess what? That's kind of what has happened. I don't think the two years that he was here, the first two years, were as awesome as maybe they had expected or maybe even sure. Heat fans expected. But he was helpful for those two years. Yeah. And now he's 37 and he's a six-foot point guard and those guys don't age well. I don't think any of this should be surprising at all to anybody. He's not a starting point guard in the NBA. He shouldn't be. At 37 years old. Like there's no reason why he should be a starting point guard in the NBA or anybody should even expect him to be a starting point guard in the NBA. Right now he ranks last in the in the among points um, among starting point guards in the NBA. He ranks last in points, field goal attempts and assists. He's not a starting point guard. But if you brought him off the bench, I think he would be a helpful player. And now obviously erase the 30 million dollar contract, whatever. That's I think true. just in terms of his on-court production, he would be helpful. But for Miami, he's more helpful as a $30 million expiring contract, which I think was sort of the plan all along. So what do you move yeah. him for is the question. It's what they need to figure out uh, here going forward. And, and it's not going to be easy. So to go to the question, what does it actually take for the front office to make a trade? I think they're already there. I think they're ready to make a trade. It just yeah. has to be the, the, has to be a deal that makes sense. I think what you're, well, you talked about, about like the bubble, that trade that they, that sent them on that bubble run, the Andre Guadala, uh, yes. Jay Crowder deal. I think that's something we're going to look at. I, I think that's a similar kind of thing that Miami would want to get back. It's nothing that sacrifices our long-term flexibility, our ability to make a, a big addition this summer, but maybe some swords and shields, to use Pat Riley's but phrase, in the short term. That was also term. clearing house, though. I don't mean to interrupt, but that was also clearing house because you had to get rid of Dion, You had to get rid of James Johnson, who had fallen out of favor, and Justice Wins Winslow. Who it's a little bit like that, right? You're getting rid of Kyle Lowry, who's fallen out of favor. It's It's a little bit like that. Yeah. That's what uh, and, and with a lot more salary in the movement. I I, I, I will reiterate yep. what I said last week. I'm at a point. I still think this team has enough, even if they don't pull off a trade. I think they can still go on a nice run in the playoffs. But I think if you want to push yourself over the edge, as you see other teams continuing to improve, like Orlando's better, Indiana's better, New York is mm. better. Miami's the only team that you can make an argument has gotten a little bit worse, despite the additions of Gaffer. I'm sorry. The, maybe that was a Freudian oh. Perhaps, Despite yeah, the addition of, what are you of reporting Jaime Hawkins. No, I'm not. Despite the addition of Jaime Hawkins, uh, I think you just need to make a trade. You need to do something to, because you, something. you have to capitalize you on this window with Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Yes. Well, you could. You, I, and it's going to be I'm with you. I, think, I don't think that this team is as bad as they've been these last three games. You're going to get Jaime back. They're deeper than they were last year. They just need a little something. They just need a little more juice. 
They just need a little more juice. And if you could turn Lowry into some juice, you could squeeze that Lowry yeah. asset and turn into some some juice into it out of it. I, there's no, I think that's fine. there's no buyout Kevin Love that's gonna bring that's gonna bring the good vibes. You know, Kevin and Love they're limited the, on the buyout the market anyway because of the new tax right. rules and blah blah blah. But if you could just turn Kyle Lowry's expiring into something that juices your offense a little bit more, I think if you're the Heat, you could feel good about what you accomplished the deadline, and you're not gonna be scared yep. of anybody when the playoffs roll on because this Heat team isn't right. I just right. you gotta do a little something here. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Every day is we're gonna be talking about the trade deadline at length. All week long, we'll have recaps of every game during the week as well. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast app. 